This program is made possible by BibleWayMedia.org, overseen by the Uloga Church of Christ in Uloga, Oklahoma. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. Welcome to the program today. This is Don Boyd. I want to welcome you to Opening the Scriptures. A comment has been made, and I quote, Unless the churches of Christ are willing to change, they will not survive our constantly changing society. Unquote. The quote there is making, or the statement is making, giving us the idea that if the church is not willing to change, then we're not going to survive. We're told that we live in a modern world. And if the church wants to make a difference in the lives of people today, then we have to come into the 21st century. People want to change the church that Jesus built. And yet in Proverbs 24, 21, Solomon said, My son, fear thou the Lord and the king, meddle not with them that are given to change. In Galatians 1, 6 through 9, Paul said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that calls you under the grace of Christ into another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that would trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that we have preached that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. You know, wonder if we look at this, we see that people were wanting to change the gospel right from the very beginning of the gospel back there in the New Testament. In Jeremiah chapter 37, verse 17. Jeremiah chapter 37, verse 17. Zedekiah the king sent to Jeremiah to ask him a question. Is there anything from God? Well, the statement says there, Then Zedekiah the king sent and took him out, that being Jeremiah, out of the pit that he was in. And the king asked him secretly in his house and said, Is there any word from the Lord? And Jeremiah said, There is. For he said, for said he, Thou shalt be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. Well, that's not what Zedekiah wanted to hear, but the same question can be asked today whenever it comes to changing the gospel. Is there any word from the Lord? And yes, there is. And it's the same way with the word that Zedekiah received. People don't want to hear it. They just don't want to hear it. So what does the Bible teach about changing the gospel? We must never change the word of God. In Proverbs chapter 30, verse 6, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 6, it says, Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. That is happening so much today, and we're going to look at some examples here in a little while of those that are adding to the Word of God and changing the message of the gospel. In Jeremiah chapter 5, Jeremiah chapter 5, verses 30 and 31. 
Jeremiah wrote there, a wonderful and a horrible thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means, and my people love to have it so. And what will you do in the end thereof? See, people today want to hear, just like people of Jeremiah's day. We don't want to hear the truth. We Tell us lies. We, when we hear false things, you know, that's over in Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30. Get my fingers to working here. Verses 8 through 11. Now go, write it before them in a book or on a tablet there, in a table, and note it in a book that it may be for the time to come forever and ever that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, See not, and to the prophets, Prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. Get you out of the way, turn aside out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. People try to use the excuses, and we'll read this in a little while in one. Oh, we've studied, and we've prayed, and we've done this for so long, and we know that it's okay to do this, that God commands that it's not okay to do. Well, we try to ease our guilty conscience in doing something like that. In Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. We don't want to do what the old paths say. We're modern. We are sophisticated. Yeah, go back and look in Webster's 1828 Dictionary, the word sophisticate. See what that means. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, look at verse 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. Paul says there, In these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, and that no one of you should be puffed up one for, up for one against another. Now notice in the King James Version where he says, Learn in us not to think of men. The little words there of men were added by the translators. Read that without that addition. And these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that ye might learn in us not to think above that which is written, that none of you be puffed up one for, for one against another. The American Standard Version puts 1 Corinthians 4, 6 this way. Now these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that in us you might learn not to go beyond the things which are written, that no one of you be puffed up for the one against the other. In 2 John verse 9, 
2 John verse 9. Whoso transgresseth, or whosoever transgresseth, and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ, hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. And there are so many people today who do not want to abide in the doctrine of Christ. And again, we're going to read some things from those folks here in a little bit. And then Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 and 19. Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 and 19. For I testify to every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. So we have many, many warnings that are given in the Bible not to change the word of God. Now I want to look at some examples of those who tried to change God's laws. Go to Leviticus chapter 10 verses 1 and 2. Leviticus chapter 10 verses 1 and 2. It says, the Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, so Nadab and Abihu, sons of Aaron, their priests, took either of them as censer, that was allowed to do by the priest, this would be the incense censer there, and put fire therein, put incense thereon, and offered, see here's the problem, they offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. You see, and we will stop right there for a moment, God had given them a specific place in order to get the fire. And that fire was from the altar of burnt offering. We find about, you know, we find that over in the book of Numbers. Look at chapter 16, verse 46. Numbers chapter 16, verse 46. It says, Moses said unto Aaron, Take a censer, and put fire therein from off the altar, and put on incense, and go quickly into the congregation, and make an atonement for them, for there is wrath gone out from the Lord, and the plague is begun. He was to take the, burnt, the fire from off the altar of burnt offering. But what about Nadab and Abihu? Where did they get their fire? We don't know. We know where they did not get it from, and that was the altar of burnt offering. That was changing the word of God. And what happened? Leviticus 10.2. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. You get over into 1 Samuel chapter 15. Think about King Saul there. Saul was commanded in verse 2. Thus said the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he had laid for wait for him in the way when he came into Egypt. Verse 3 says, Now go smite Amalek, utterly destroy all that they have, and spare them not. But slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey. Go destroy them completely. Well, what did Samuel, I mean, what did Saul do? Verse 9. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. 
but everything that was violent refuse, that they destroyed. That's changing the word of God. What is the result of that? Verses 22 and 23. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than to fatter rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. When people try to change the gospel of Christ, it is... A few different possibilities there, and one of them is rebellion and stubbornness. So, instead of changing God's teachings, we should be and we must be respecting and obeying them. You know, Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, not doeth his own will. There you see. In Matthew twenty eight eighteen, you know, Jesus came and spake to them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. We don't have the right to change the word of God because it is Jesus who has all authority. And in Luke 6:46, Jesus said, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? There are a lot of people out there calling Jesus Lord, but they're not doing what Jesus is saying. And then Colossians 3:17, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, all by his authority, giving thanks to God and the Father by him, not doing it according to culture, not doing it according to what is popular, but do it according to what Jesus has authorized. In Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9 says, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Not obey culture, not obey what's popular, but obey him. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5. It says, Who serve unto the example? And shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern shown thee in the mount. We are to do all things according to the pattern that God has given us. In the church, in our lives, do things according to the pattern. Now, I want to ask the question here then. What motivates people to want to change the gospel? Why do they want change? Well, one reason, biblical ignorance is one of the motivating factors. People don't understand the Bible. Have you seen the little sign up now, especially right now, where it talks about, it says that God loves abortion? That's just ignorance. God hates 
abortion. One of the things that is an abomination to him, Proverbs chapter 6, is hands that shed innocent blood. That's just ignorance or stubbornness or rebellion. Hosea 4, 6 says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And then he says, Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. But people are destroyed because they are ignorant of God's word. In Acts chapter 18, verse 26, Acts eighteen twenty-six. this is speaking about, talking about Apollos, and it says, And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of the God more perfectly, because it mentions there that he knew only the baptism of John. So he didn't know everything about the word of God, so they he was ignorant of that, and that's not a bad word. That doesn't mean stupid. It means he had no knowledge of that. But they expounded unto him the word of God more perfectly, and he understood that. In Romans chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, Romans chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. There are many people in the religious world today that have a zeal for God, but it's not according to knowledge. It's not according to the word of God. You know, Romans ten seventeen. so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We don't get faith by listening to the Baptist Standard Manual, the Methodist Discipline, the Catholic Catechism, the Westminster Confession of Faith, or any of that. We get it by the word of God. And then Romans chapter 14, verse 23 says, He that dieth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. And whatsoever is not of faith is sin. If faith comes by the hearing of, word, of the word of God, we need to make sure what we're doing is correct. Ephesians 5, 17. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of God is, will of the Lord is. We need to understand the word of the Lord. And Jesus says we can know it. John 8:32 and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. We can know the truth. Well, another reason I guess you might call it that people want to change the gospel is because they are motivated by pride and rebellion. You see, they want religion the Burger King way. Have it your way. In 1 Samuel 5:13, going back to that, you know, after Samuel came or Saul came with Agag and all these animals and stuff, Samuel came to Saul and Saul said to him, "Blessed be thou the Lord, I performed the commandment of the Lord." Well, had he? 
it goes back to these so-called elders and congregations and such that say, well, we've studied this and we have come to the conclusion that this is okay. When it's not. That's what Saul did right here. I've done the commandment of the Lord, Samuel. Look what I did. Well, Samuel said, no, you haven't. Because I hear the bleeding of the sheep, the lowing of the cattle. Well, 1 Samuel 15, 20, Saul said to Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone the way which the Lord sent me and have brought Agag the king of Amalek and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. No, he hadn't. There's still one alive. People are so rebellious and stubborn, and that's what we read a while ago about him. Verse 23 again of chapter 15 of 1 Samuel. For rebellion is the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. People are stubborn and they are rebellious. That's why they want to change the gospel. Jeremiah 6.16. Jeremiah 6.16. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the good. Excuse me the good way and walk therein and ye shall find rest for your souls but they said we will not walk therein in Proverbs 16:18, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall people's pride is going to bring them down on the day of judgment but you know another cause that people would want to change the gospel is emotionalism you know emotionalism these things going on jumping up and down hollering and waving your arms and oh just oh having a good old time but in John 4:24 Jesus said God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in truth in spirit and in truth worship him with the right attitude and worship him with what he authorizes, only what he authorizes. You know, there are some key doctrines that are under attack today, gospel doctrines. One of those, or this is the first one, is the oneness and unique identity of the Lord's church. You know, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Rubel Shelley made this comment several years ago, and I quote, There are sincere, knowledgeable, and devout Christians scattered among the various denominations, yet they are separated from another by creedal formulations, human names, and cumbersome organization structures, which have found their way into the stream of human history since the Christ and his apostles, unquote. Well, if there are those in the denominational, if there are Christians in the denominations, then they're unfaithful. They've gone away from the true church to a man-made denomination. Matthew 16:18, Jesus, they're speaking to Peter. He says, I say unto thee, also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church singular, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, singular. 
not churches, not them. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23 says of the Father, and hath put all things under his, Jesus' feet, and gave him to be head over all church, over all things to the church, singular, which is his body, singular, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And then as we read a while ago in Ephesians 4, 4, there is one body, not many. And then just as there is one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's above all through you, through all and in you. You know, I find it interesting here my wife was a member of the Baptist Church before she was converted to true Christianity. And her baptismal certificate there into the Baptist Church said that she was baptized into the fellowship of the Baptist Church. So there's one baptism. So everyone that's baptized is baptized into the fellowship of the Baptist Church? No. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, not many, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have, done, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3, 11 says, For other foundation, there's only one foundation, can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And then Colossians 1.13, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom, the singular kingdom of his dear son. You might have to also understand the Lord's Supper is under attack today. There are people that don't take the Lord's Supper every first day of the week as we're commanded to, shown the example there in Acts chapter 20, verse 7. They take it once a month, once a quarter. They take it at Christmas time. They take it at whatever, weddings. They take it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. I want to go read to you. This is from... And I'm from close to Abilene, Texas, so I'm going to have a few things from the city of Abilene here. This was a walk to Emmaus that was Tuesday, October 5th, 1999 in Abilene, Texas. So it's been going on a long time. This is what the statement says. There was a full-blown band on stage. There was an all-women quartet entertaining the audience. Added to this, there was hand clapping and hands raised in the air with arms and bodies swaying back and forth. Some may say this was not a formal worship assembly and that we should not make a big deal about it, but remember, they were treating it as such when they offered and partook erroneously of the communion. Now remember, this is on a Tuesday. The speaker at this event was Eddie Sharp of the University Church of Christ here in town. The communion was administered by Eddie Sharp and another man. Mr. Sharp would break the bread and give it to the participant who would go to the next man and there dip it into a large cup of the fruit of the vine and then partake of the soaked 
bread. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge or because of their stubbornness and rebellion. That's all that was. That was stubbornness and rebellion. And there were probably people there who had a lack of knowledge. Well, going over to Acts chapter 20, verse 7, it says, Upon the first day of the week. Now, how many weeks have a first day? I believe all of them do. And is Tuesday the first day of the week? Uh, no. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. It's the third day of the week. Well, again, Acts 20, verse 7, Upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, when did the disciples come together to partake of the Lord's Supper? The first day of the week. It says, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. People will say, well, see there, Paul, they might have took it on Monday morning. No. Have you ever sat in a worship service where they took the Lord's Supper before the lesson? In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, and this doesn't have anything to do with the Lord's Supper, but it has to do with our giving. It says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. Well, why were they there on the first day of the week? Acts 20, verse 7 tells us. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, you know, we're going back. This is just an example. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Well, how many weeks contained a Sabbath day under the old law? All of them. How many weeks contained a first day of the week? All of them. And then <clears throat> we have to be careful that we don't mix acts of worship. Whenever I was preaching in Justin, Texas, the Lord's Supper was being given, and all of a sudden the song leader started leading a song. Some want to sing while the Lord's Supper is being taken. You know what you're doing there? You can't focus on both, so you're mixing acts of worship. You know, it would be the same thing as I'm standing up to preach and some guy starts to give a song, start leading a prayer. It is going to be confusion, and God is not the author of confusion. New Testament singing is being attacked, and it's been attacked for a long time. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, it says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Speaking to yourselves, singing to one another, Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, not secular songs. Singing and making melody in your heart. The singing and making melody is to be done in the heart. Nowhere else. We already saw what happened to Nadab and Abihu whenever they offered strange worship before God. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. That's in our singing one to another. Again, the psalms, the hymns, and the spiritual songs. And then we're singing with grace in our hearts, 
to the Lord. So we're teaching and admonishing one another. We're singing to the Lord. And that is all coming from the heart. Not from some instrument. Not from a hand clapping or a foot stomping. Or not from making the sound of an instrument with your voice. Those things don't teach. And singing must include teaching. In Hebrews chapter 2 verse 12. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 12. Saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church. Will I sing praise unto thee. We are to be singing praises to God. In James chapter 5 verse 13. James chapter 5 verse 13. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. So you look at it, you know, praise teams, choirs, addition of mechanical instruments of music, solos, those are all unscriptural. They are all against the authority of Christ. The role of women is being unscripturally altered as well. This is one example. <clears throat> This is from Mike Cope of the Highland Church of Christ in Abilene, Texas blog, and this is dated Sunday, October 10th, 2004. And this is what he wrote. I minister alongside 42 men whom I deeply respect. These shepherds are men who have taught me so much. There are 45 if you count Wally Grady and Clois. Technically, they are no longer elders, but I just prefer to think of it as if they've missed the last several meetings. In my mind, the three of them will always be shepherds of the Highland Church. This morning's announcement came from a long, prayer-filled study of Scripture. These are hardly men who make decisions because of the prevailing culture. They are wanting to follow the lead of the Spirit and be obedient to Scripture at every turn. Here's the announcement that Jack Griggs read. Throughout its 75-year history, the Highland Church of Christ has been blessed in countless ways. One of the most apparent of those blessings is the spiritual giftedness of our members and the way that their gifts have been poured out to benefit others. Another of those blessings is the willingness of this Highland family to seriously study God's word and to take direction from what is revealed. Over a decade ago, the Highland elders began to study, pray about, and discuss among themselves the roles of women in various worship and ministry activities. The result of that interaction was a congregation-wide study a few years ago on the role of women in public worship. After that period of study, the Highland elders decided that it was time to encourage the participation of women in various ways in public worship. From the earliest conversations with members, the elders communicated that it was not the intention of the Highland leadership to place women in the role of elder or preaching minister. However, the eldership concluded that it is scriptural 
for women to participate in all other ways. It has been our intention to implement these changes in roles carefully, seeking natural ways to allow our women to join our men in using their gifts. Over the past few years, you have seen the fruits of this intent. Ministry reports, congregational announcements, the sharing of testimony, and participation in praise teams and dramatic presentations by women have become fairly common. More recently, you have witnessed women reading scripture, serving communion, and leading prayer. Rebellion and stubbornness is what we see there. They are not following the scripture. They're following what they want to do and then trying to ease their ungodly minds in saying what they just said. Well, let me continue to read it as this is continuing in his blog. We want you to know that when you see a woman taking a public role in worship, it's being done with the knowledge and approval of the eldership. For those of you for whom this is a difficult transition, we encourage you to patiently seek God's peace as our church family prayerfully moves through this transition. Seek God's, okay, that ends that, but seeking God's peace for what we have done. Well, there is no peace with God in what they have done. They have rebelled. You go to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Paul wrote there, I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Now, sometimes, whenever you see men translated, it's from the Greek word anthropos, which means mankind. This is not that word. This is the Greek word aner, which means the male or men, not women. But people are going to say, well, you know, that was just the culture of Paul's time. And I heard one person say, well, Paul was just a bigamist. He hated women. Well, let's look at Second Timothy, or 1 Timothy 2, 11 to 14. It says, let the women learn in silence with all subjection. But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. I noticed that scripture was not found in Mike Cope's blog there. And then those that talk about culture, well, Paul, he, he took care of that. He said, verse 13, for Adam was first formed then Eve. Uh, it, that goes all the way back to the creation. It's not cultural. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. And then I have a cassette tape, and this is by Rick Atchley, who was at the time the preacher or whatever you want to call it for the North Richland Hills Church of Christ there in Fort Worth, or in Richland Hills, Texas, close to Fort Worth. They decided that they would dispense with the deaconship and change that phrase to special servants. That way women could 
perform in the role that they had just invented. Because, you know, they couldn't be a deacon. Because 1 Timothy 3.12 says, Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own house as well. So they had to get rid of, they had to get rid of something that was biblical and throw in something that was man-made. In other words, they're changing the gospel. They're rebelling or have rebelled against God. <coughs> Unscriptural fellowship with denominations is being advocated. Again, going back to Abilene, Texas, this is from the Reporter News. That's the newspaper there, local in Abilene. And this is from January 15, 1994. It carried the announcement that the Abilene Association of Congregations would be sponsoring community-wide worship service <clears throat> the following night at the First Baptist Church. The speaker was to be Mike Cope from the Highland Church of Christ, who was at that time also associated with Heartbeat. So we see that fellowship with denominations, changing the gospel, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, Ephesians 5.11 says. In Amos chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? So how could someone from the Church of Christ fellowship all these denominations? Because he agreed with them instead of them agreeing with the Bible. Psalm 131.1 Psalm 131.1 says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. The only place we can have unity is in the Word of God. And again, Ephesians 5.11 have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, which is what denominationalism is and which is what going to these ministerial alliances and such things as this are, but rather reprove them. The necessity of baptism is no longer an issue. I want to read to you, you know, Max Licato was set forth as such a wonderful person and all a religious leader, and he's nothing but a wolf in sheep's clothing. Max Licato's a false teacher. In a radio broadcast, and this is a transcript of that broadcast from 1996, Max Licato said this, God will make you worthy, and the invitation is for you, and all you have to do is call him Father. Just call him Father. Just turn your heart to him right now as I am speaking. Call him your Father, and your Father will respond. Why don't you do that? Father, forgive my heart. Or, Father, I give my heart to you. I give you my sins. I give you my tears. I give you my fears. I give you my whole life. I accept the gift of your Son on the cross for my sins. I ask you, Father, to receive me as your child through Jesus, I pray. Amen. Today's the first day you've ever prayed a prayer like that. Can you do me a favor? Could you write me a letter? I don't have anything I'm going to ask from you. I do have a letter I'd like to send you. <clears throat> I'd like to give you a word about the next step or two. I want you to find a church. I want to encourage you to be baptized. I want to encourage you to read your Bible. 
but I do not want you to do any of that so you will be saved. I want you to do it because you are saved. So the question comes up then, well, uh, you know, Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. He didn't say he that believeth and is, is saved shall be baptized. So who changed the gospel? Actually, Cato did. You see, what he said in order to be saved is not found in the Bible. Acts 2.38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's not what Max Cato said, but which one's right? Acts 2.22.16, 20, And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Baptism is the place where our sins are washed away. That's where we contact the blood of Christ, Romans 6, 3, and 4. 1 Peter 3.21 says, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. How do you get around that? Baptism saves us. Well, how do we counteract these winds of change? Well, you got to get back, we must get back to daily Bible study. Just like those in Acts chapter 17. Those Bereans, these were more, more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. You've got to study. You've got to, you know, this is Paul and Silas, Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ, and they're checking to make sure what he's saying so. You need to check every one who is teaching you the word of God and make sure what they're saying is true. You try to do that with Mike Cope, Max Licato, Rubel Shelley, so many others, <laughs> you're not going to find it. It's not true. 2 Timothy 2.15, study. To show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The American Standard Version says, handling aright the word of truth. People who want to change the gospel are not handling aright the word of truth. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer. <clears throat> to every man that asketh you a reason to hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We need to be ready. We need to be prepared, and the only way we can do that is through Bible study. Never stop preaching and teaching the truth of the gospel. There's a little article entitled, Give Me the Truth, and I may have already done this in one of the lessons, but let's do it again. And this is what it says. If you're my friend, if you're concerned about my soul, give me the truth. Don't flatter me. Do not praise my virtues while remaining silent about my vices. Do not fear the truth will offend me. Do not treasure our friendship and our friendly relations above telling me the truth. Do not think that by ignoring my sins you can help me. Do not think that being blind to my sins will prove yourself charitable. However, I may react to it, 
whatever may be my attitude or my attitude toward you after you have done it, give me the truth. For the truth and only the truth can make me free from the shackles of sin, strengthen me in the pathway of righteousness, and lead me to heaven's joy. If I'm wavering, weak, lukewarm, indifferent, neglectful, if I've been overtaken in a trespass, if I've been drawn into the pleasure of the world, if I have left my first love, if I have been led astray by error, or if I have done none of these things but simply need to grow in knowledge and be edified, give me the truth. And that's what we need to be doing instead of changing the gospel. You know, Second Timothy 4, 2, Paul said, Preach the word. Be instant or be ready, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. And that would be true doctrine, not worldly doctrine. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11 says, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. Speak as the oracles of God, not what culture says or anything like that. In 1 Kings twenty-two fourteen, you know, there we have the incident there that Jehoshaphat has come to Ahab and, you know, are they going to go up and fight at Ramoth Gilead? And all of Ahab's prophets there said, Go up, God has delivered it to you. And Jehoshaphat said, Is there anyone else? Well, Ahab said, Yeah, there's this fellow named Micaiah. I hate him. He doesn't ever speak good about me. So they sent to Micaiah. The messenger came to him and he said, all the prophets of Ahab have spoken, you know, go up and tell the same thing they did. And Micaiah stated this in 1 Kings 22, verse 14. Micaiah said, as the Lord liveth what the Lord saith unto me, that will I speak. Well, we have what the Lord says to us in the Bible. That is what we must speak. And then Galatians 4, 16. Paul just simply stated there, Am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Well, we need to hear the truth. And we must pray to God for wisdom and help. Luke 18, 1. He spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Always be praying. James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And in James chapter 1 verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. You know, if, if the Lord was to come today and visit his congregations that wear his name, in many cases he would not recognize his church because of all the changes that men have made to his gospel. You know, people have changed what the Bible teaches about the gospel. Some are ignorant. Others change the gospel because of their pride and rebellion. 
the oneness and unique identity of the Lord's church has been changed. Biblical teaching about the Lord's Supper has been changed. New Testament singing and the role of women in the church is being unscripturally altered. There is unscriptural fellowship with denominations that's being advocated. The necessity of baptism is no longer an issue. We must counteract these changes by getting back to daily Bible study. Never stop teaching the truth of the gospel and pray to God for wisdom and help. You know, Luke 18, 8, a very sobering statement is made there. It says, Jesus speaking, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Well, again, this is Don Boyd. I want to thank you for tuning in to be with us today. We look forward to being with you next time. When you're in Moody, Missouri, you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ, located on Highway E in Moody, Missouri. The congregation there meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We thank you for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Way Media by visiting us at BibleWayMedia.org. You can also find us on several uh, social media platforms now. You can find us not only on Facebook, but you can also can find us on Tumblr. You can also find us on the Twitter alternative known as Telegram and on the Facebook alternative known as MeWe. We hope you enjoyed this program. We hope you will share with others. And as always, we thank you for listening.